Hey folks, it's Ed Szeski here. I'm the author of Reconnect Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction. And I have another uh, solo podcast I'm working on here. And it's another edition of kind of the post-election soul care um, topic that I've been talking about a little bit. Uh, I've you know talked about some of the you know soul care issues that are coming up as people are worried about the election results and how things are going to shake out in the days and weeks to come. And, you know, especially right now, we have, you know, a lot of talk on social media of, you know, people who are fear, fearful of a coup or fearful of the lawsuits that are going on right now. You know, we just don't know. We just don't know uh, exactly what the plans are that are in the works. And, you know, I talked to someone today about how you know, she had been averaging two to four hours of sleep lately just because she's been so worried and so tuned into the news. And so, you know, that, that struck me as, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and trying to address things in some tweets and just talking about the, the social media uh, dimensions of this and how, how, you know, we're being manipulated and also just the soul care things that we can do to, to help counteract some of those, the formative aspects of, you know, all the news and digital formation going on right now. So, so I've got my candle going. I've got my succulent uh, cactus uh, in my office now. Uh, so, you know, we're we're kind of ready for some ready for some soul care here. So, you know, the first thing to think about, you know, when it comes to soul care and these kind of disruptive, troubling, fearful, anxious times, is to think about how you know anger and the allegations of election fraud are going to uh, spur people toward action, right? So, that, like, anger is the tool that's often used to motivate people. Like you use anger and outrage on social media to drive engagement, to drive uh, more readers to your site. And, you know, if you look at what the, the top 10, you know, sources of content on Facebook are in a, in a given week, it's almost all conservative sites that are using fear and anger uh, to motivate people to drive audience engagement. And so, you know, and also you know, disinformation and misinformation, it just travels faster on social media. It's more effective because the made up lie can be made more appealing than the truth. It just, it just wins the attention war. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind in the days to come, think about the stories you're reading, the different rumors that are being spread, uh, the allegations of myth or a fraud that are basically just all mythology. Like right now, if you look at the news, you know, the overwhelming reports from, you know, the Republican secretary of state in Georgia, uh, the election, you know, experts in Pennsylvania, you know, reporters have done nationwide, uh, you know, surveys of the election results. No one's finding fraud. There's nothing widespread, you know, even the allegations of fraud come from misunderstandings or uh, deliberate manipulation of information. So, you know, the, the stuff that we're seeing right now that has to do with fraud or with, you know, the election disputes in court or whatever, it's generally just to drive engagement. And so you can think about, okay, well, what are the, what's the engagement that, that is desired, right? What, why are people doing that? You know, we could come up with reasons that would include uh, raising money, you know, keep in mind that the, all the Trump tax documents coming out, we're talking about how he's uh, deeply in debt. He has a lot of debts coming due. Uh, he's going to need money, you know, and, you know, he has, you know, he's going to look for a way just to profit off of the influence he has. That's just kind of his MO uh, for as long as, as he's been around. 
Uh, so, you know, we have to look at the stab in the back myth, right? That there's, you know, that the, that the leader didn't fail. It's that he was betrayed. And that's just a common thing. That's, yeah, I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, historians and political science folks talking about, about that myth kind of coming up again. Uh, you know, it sows doubt for future elections and that's, um, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher her name, but it's uh, Zeynep Tufeki, uh, who is a, uh, a, a social scientist who is, you know, really kind of put her finger on a lot of the major trends going on. Uh, you know, she's brought up how, you know, we shouldn't just worry about what's happening right now, but how the things that are happening today will lay a foundation for what's going to happen in the future. That uh, the the distrust in elections, the the anger over certain outcomes, uh, you know, the, the the violating of our norms of just transferring power, of leaders stepping down uh, from power willingly. Uh, you know, these are all things that can be exploited in the future because they're they're norms. They're not necessarily legislated. It's not. You know, the process isn't necessarily written into law. So um, who's going to exploit this stuff in the future? So we have things to worry about right now. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, the election isn't in doubt. The lawsuits are failing. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, chatter from folks on the right who are ready for this to be done. So overall, you know, a lot of the threats that we're dealing with right now um, you know, they probably have some short-term designs, but they also have some long-term ramifications that we need to consider. But, you know, for the, for the short term, we're largely dealing with misinformation, disinformation uh, that's designed to, you know, for, for personal political benefit, not necessarily to overthrow the entire election. So I think that we can, you know, take a step back from the brink a little bit, but there's also some bigger systemic things to think about when we consult with experts. And that, that really is how we have to think about this in the days and weeks and months and years to come is to think about where we're getting our information from and to cross-reference it, cross-check it. You know, so lately I've been reading a lot of stuff from um, political science uh, professors and historians and, uh, you know, folks who have, you know, dedicated their lives to studying this stuff, to reading this stuff. And, you know, generally speaking, you know, there's a concern about the the long term that you know maybe the short term it's it's not comfortable but it's going to work out this election is going to uh end up you know honoring the will of the people that the results are reliable and and that it's going to pass but there are long-term things to consider so as we think about this more in terms of of long-term soul care you know how are we going to deal with this disinformation with the anxiety with the fear the division the anger how do we deal with all this stuff over the long term? So we need to really think about our media consumption, what we're, who we're listening to, what we're reading, how we're reacting to it. Uh, we have to become a little bit more aware of just how these things are manipulating us, targeting us, making us feel. Um, and we have to just, you know, think about new patterns, new, new rhythms for our lives. So maybe in the next 30 days, consider like how you can, establish a new rhythm for your your news consumption, your media consumption, your social media use. Uh, pay attention to, you know, how you need to maybe change things after the election. So I understand we probably all went into information overload with the election, you know, regardless of your party, I'm sure that everybody just kind of went into media overload. So now um, maybe we need to do kind of like a soul care <laughs> overload now, right? Uh, so uh, you know, take some steps back and, and try to overcompensate to soul care. And I would even say this, like, 
yeah, I think that soul care kind of becomes expendable sometimes. Now it needs to become the thing, the number one priority each day. So think about what it would look like for soul care to be your top priority for the next 30 days or so. You know, think about how you can make sure it's just a, a regular part of your day, that there's there's silence, that there's some time outside, uh, you know, there's time meditating on scripture, like whatever it is that that feeds your soul, that helps you, uh, you know, make that your top priority for the next 30 days as a way to kind of move beyond the the, dis, the discomfort and the, the challenges of this election season that's been very stressful for everyone. Uh, the other thing is to, you know, check in on other people and just see how they're doing. I think it can help, you know, just as we process stressful things, anxious things, to talk to other people, to talk to them about how they're doing. And that can help us with our own internal processing as well, just to, to talk with other people. And, and honestly, like we do this soul care stuff so that we can serve others, we can help others. So, you know, if you are getting some benefit from your soul care practices, these are things you can share with other people as well. So consider how you can do that, how you can share that with other people. Uh, the big thing, and this is something that Thomas Merton talks about a lot, is to face up to your own power, your own control. All that to say, we don't have a lot of power. We don't have a lot of control. And yes, we can you know, join movements and organize and, and we can have influence in some ways, but Generally speaking, day to day, if you are completely plugged into news and media and social media, your impact is probably going to be fairly minimal, the typical person. You know, there are people in positions of power and responsibility who can, who can influence world events you know, more than the, the typical person. But the average person who's glued to news and media probably isn't going to do a lot of good or a lot of effective change just by tuning in and thinking about it and worrying a lot. Um, we're just not. And so I, I encourage you to think about, you know, if there are ways that you can benefit others, that you can take action, you can be empowered, by all means do that. But the typical person is going to be fairly limited and we need to consider that. We need to consider our lack of power, our lack of control. And this is a place to move in faith, that we can uh, step in faith toward God and, and surrender ourselves to him to, to release our desire to control things, our desire to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, that's hard. That's a hard thing to do, but that is part of living by faith is, is letting go of our control and trusting God, you know, with the days to come. So that doesn't mean that we completely say, well, it's all it's in God's hands. And we have kind of like a fatalistic approach, a kind of like a, you know, fatalistic predestination view. Like I'm not advocating that I'm saying that we need to, uh, step forward in faith with a realistic view of our power and our abilities. Uh, and you know, finally, just, you know, the thing that will help us get through so much of the, the hard days on social media, the hard days uh, watching the news is just to pay attention to our emotions. Think about how we're reacting to things. Think about how things are hitting us. Remember that, you know, anger and fear are powerful forces. And there are people who are creating content on social media and putting out stories in the news who want to manipulate us and to drive us towards certain actions based on how we react to them. I mean, that's, that is the advertising industry's MO and that's, that's the political MO as well. And so, you know, that is a powerful force that we need to be aware of. We need to see how it's hitting us and we need to reflect on that. 
And uh, if we are just passive, if we don't think about that, you know, I guarantee you it will have an impact on you. I've, you know, I've seen it in my own life. I've, I've faced my own weaknesses here. I'm, I'm speaking as someone who has struggled with this, that I've had, you know, some days in the past couple of months where I have spent way more time on the news or way more time on social media than is healthy for me uh, because I, I stopped thinking about the way that it was impacting me and how I just needed more information because I wanted more control because I was afraid. And that's understandable. That's realistic and, and human, but, uh, our, we, we retain our agency by, as people, we, we can control, uh, you know, how we think and how we feel if we're more aware of how these things are impacting us. And, and honestly, like, think about like all the good things too, that we can reflect on. There's a lot of really bad stuff right now. Like, you know, we're entering in a really, uh, scary time for the coronavirus, as far as just increasing infections, increasing deaths, uh, right during the holiday season where people want to travel and get together with family. And honestly, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get together with family and get a lot of people infected and people are going to die. That's unfortunately, that's where we're headed right now. And yeah, at the same time, we have really good news about this vaccine that has come out by Pfizer. And, you know, we could put our energy towards sharing that, that news, share reliable sources, share uh, links to interviews with doctors about and, and researchers and scientists who are talking about these vaccines and what will make them most effective. So we need to, you know, share, share the good information, share the things that will help people make better choices because, you know, I guarantee you, there'll be people coming out with anti-vaccine skepticism and fear. And, you know, we need to work together to share the, the best information available to people about how these vaccines are safe, how they're extremely effective. Um, you know, one scientist, uh, compared it to the effectiveness of the measles vaccine that, um, you know, we can really wipe out the coronavirus in a, a meaningful way uh, that will really save a lot of lives and save people from a lot of sickness. So we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, there's a lot of good things to share, a lot of good things to reflect on. Uh, but in the days and <laughs> months and years to come, there's still going to be a lot of things to be fearful about, a lot of things to worry about. And so we need to think about our sustainable soul care practices that will help carry us through that will help us continue to create space to be aware of God, to love God, to love our neighbors, and to not be in a reactive state of mind. Thanks so much for dropping by.